Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. guys certainly are a beautiful crowd this morning. We appreciate you uh, being here. If you're in visiting family or you just decided to come celebrate with us this morning, thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to worship here at First Baptist Barberville. What a wonderful day to celebrate our risen Savior. The fact that, you know, our God is not dead. I think every other God that anybody else worships is not alive. But our God this morning is alive and well and still seated on his throne. Amen. I want to talk, obviously, about the resurrection. The resurrection is the heart of our Christian faith. Really, everything hinges on the resurrection. And when the apostles preached the gospel in the period of the early church, they not only preached a crucified Savior, but they preached a resurrected Savior. However, without the resurrection... There's no reason for us to be here. The Apostle Paul essentially said, If Christ has not been raised, then we of all people are to be most pitied today. However, we know Jesus is alive. And, And the significance of that is that what Jesus did prior to his death on the cross was enough to conquer death forever. And so this morning, I want to go back before the resurrection to Jesus' crucifixion to understand exactly what happened in Jesus' work on the cross and why that was essentially validated when Jesus came out of the tomb on the third day. This morning we're going to look at John chapter 19, verses 17 through 30. John 19, 17 through 30. John tells us this. We're going to back up and read the entire story of Christ's crucifixion. John says, carrying the cross by himself... He went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. And so the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, What I have written, I have written. And when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. 
a jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. And here's our, our critical verse this morning. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we are so uh, humble, Lord, we're excited, we're joyful to be standing here in the presence of a risen Savior this morning. God, we thank you for your word, for the wonderful account of what you did for us. God, I pray that it transforms our lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. There are seven recorded things that Jesus said from the cross. For example, in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Earlier here in John 19, Jesus looks down at his beloved mother and John the disciple. He says, woman, behold your son. Man, behold your mother. Also in Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus turns to one of the crucified men to his side and says, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. In Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus, reflecting Psalm chapter 22, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In John 19, 28, he simply says here, I'm thirsty, or I thirst. All of these have a unique meaning. And in Luke 23, 46, Jesus cries out once again, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But here in John chapter 19, verse 30, we're going to focus on these three simple words that Jesus said. It is finished. In the original Greek, it's one word, tetelestai, meaning it is complete, it is finished. But it begs the question for us this morning, what has Jesus finished? What has Jesus accomplished here on the cross? And the short answer is everything. But let's focus on just a few things that Jesus has completed. The most obvious is the physical aspect. And Jesus is, I'm sure, thinking that his physical suffering was finished. From the time of his birth to the time of his death, Jesus suffered as we suffer throughout life. He was very much a normal man in the fact that he, he, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired, he got sick, and he suffered everything in life that we're going to suffer and endure as well. But if you think about this, Jesus left everything that was perfect in order to become one of us so that he might save some of us. The late, great C.S. Lewis author and theologian in a radio interview, made a great analogy to this point. And he asked this question, would you become a dog? Now, I know we got a lot of dog lovers, right? Pastor Derek, where you at? We got a lot of dog lovers in here. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, now, but think about actually becoming a dog. I know it sounds silly, but it's a great analogy. And what he's getting at is, have you ever thought about what it meant for Jesus to become a man? For God to become a man. Consider the analogy. Lying there at your feet is your dog fluffy or scrappy or brutus or whatever your dog's name is. Your, your beloved canine lying there at your feet. And you realize all dogs are in distress. However, they could be saved. They could be helped if only you became one of them. And C.S. Lewis asked the question, would you be willing to do that? And there's a few nuts that probably like, yeah, I'd like to be a dog for a day. But most of us, no, we don't want to become a dog. But what he's saying is that's exactly the extent of the cost for Christ to become a man. If we became a dog, I mean, we'd lose all the conversations that we could have with our loved ones. We'd lose the communion with our family. We would just have to sit and look at them with those big puppy dog eyes and wag our tail. And that, was, that would be life. 
Likewise, Jesus left the perfection of heaven. He left the glories and the splendor of heaven. He left the Father's side to come into our world to become one of us and take on our flesh so that we might be saved. But not only did he suffer in that way, he suffered immensely during his final days and hours as we've sung about this morning. In those final days, Jesus was humiliated. He was treated and act like a, uh, treated like a criminal, like an animal. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was spat upon. He was nailed through his feet and hands to a cross and left there in humiliation to suffer and to bleed and to die. But more than the pain of the cross, I think was the pain and the agony of bearing the sin, the weight of our sin, the weight of humanity's sin upon himself. To carry that burden for all of us. But, but now his suffering was over. It had come to an end. And it was finished. When I start singing about the cross, I love that song. I cast my mind to Calvary. And then we get to the chorus. Oh, praise the name. Because that's where I'm taken to. We have so much to be thankful for that we're not the one that had to go to that old rugged cross. That Jesus did it for us. But not only was the physical work complete, the prophetical work was also complete. God's saving plan was finished. Sometimes life catches me off guard. Uh, about on a daily basis, sometimes more often. But you ever just get caught off guard by something that happens in life? Sometimes it's an unexpected accident. Sometimes it's an unexpected diagnosis. Sometimes it's an unexpected child that comes along out of the blue. Life tends to throw us curveballs on occasion. And I've often wondered, does God ever get caught off guard by things that we do or things that happen? And I'll be honest, I don't think he does. I think as the all-knowing, all-powerful creator God, he's never caught off guard. and He's never unprepared for anything. And so when mankind sinned against God in the very beginning, God had a plan of salvation to bring to the very creature that disobeyed and sinned against him. And so from Genesis to Malachi, there are over 300 prophecies filling Scripture that are pointing to this coming one, to this Messiah, the promised one of Genesis 3.15, who the Bible says would crush the head of the serpent. And we see an epic battle unfold throughout every generation as God establishes for himself a chosen people out of which would come this promised one, the Messiah who would save the world. And Satan tries at every turn to cut them off. But you think about all the stories. Pharaoh could not stop them. Nebuchadnezzar could not stop them. Immediately when, when Christ is born, Satan tries again to stop God's plan. Herod could not stop Jesus. Satan himself came and tried to tempt Christ away from God's plan, but that failed. God's perfect plans can't be stopped. We have all of the prophecies, all of the drama unfolding throughout all of the centuries, and it finally culminated in this event 2,000 years ago with Jesus dying on this cross. And it's in this moment that God's plan of salvation is made complete as he dies for the sins of the world. As he dies for my sin and for your sin. And Jesus says, it is finished. The only thing left in God's plan of salvation is for you to do your part now. To place your faith in Jesus. To trust in the work that he has done on the cross. And be saved. And we'll give you that opportunity shortly. But before we get to that. The third thing we have to understand is that sin's penalty was finished. 
that Greek word we mentioned, tetelestai. It's, it, it's a common word that was used in commerce. It was used in accounting in the first century. And it literally means paid in full. And so when a payment was received, whether it was for a, a bill of goods or if it was for a debt, it was common for them to just stamp tetelestai on that bill of sale or on that receipt saying it is paid in full. Likewise, because of our sin, you've got to understand that we are under a tremendous debt to God. We're, we're enslaved to the power of sin, and it's a debt that's so massive, no matter what we do, we could never repay God for this debt that we have against Him. So we desperately needed a Redeemer, one that could pay that price for us and thus redeem us from the sin debt and slavery. There's nothing we could do. I mean, you think about that. We want, are you like me and you want to just make things happen? There's a problem and you see it and you're like, well, let's fix it. Let's do something about it. But there, here's the deal. When it comes to my salvation, oh man, this hit me so hard at one point in my life. When it comes to my salvation, there is nothing that I can do to get into heaven. Think about that. I could stop today, never sin again, and do all the great good things, good deeds, help people, love people, but it'd never be enough to account for my sin debt against God. The only way Tyler Shields is going to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same is true for you. The price was too great, and the only thing sufficient to cover our debt was the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross. So how do we cash in on this? Well... It's through faith. It's through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, placing total trust and hope in Him for what He's done. And the Bible says when we do that, do that, our account is credited with not our righteousness, but His righteousness. And we can be saved. This kind of faith, one of the songs talked about it, it's not a leap in the dark, but it's trusting, it's knowing that because of Him, without a doubt, for certain, our debt has been paid, that Jesus paid it all, paid in full. As he said, it is finished. Because of that, we have this last victory. And this one gets me excited, maybe because I'm a little bit vengeful sometimes, but I don't like the devil. I like to see him get kicked in the teeth every chance we get. And I was so proud of our church this weekend going out, and I think we hit about a 1,000 homes yesterday with the gospel. Well done, church on spreading the good news to Barberville yesterday. What a kick in the teeth to the enemy. But here's the last thing I want us to understand. This is so important. Satan's power was finished. And I want you to, to really grasp this this morning because so many people walk around, even though we're Christians, even though we come to church, we are so defeated. He's taking our joy. He's ruining our families. But listen, he lost and here's what I mean by that. Because we have a risen Savior, the head of the serpent, as Genesis said, was crushed on Calvary. Now, I want you to understand the spiritual significance of this. And I think John the Revelator captures this in Revelation chapter 12. And I want you to read these verses with me this morning. He describes what happens after Jesus is born, after he dies, and after he's raised again. Notice what John says. He says, Then... War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought. But he could not prevail. Amen? 
And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. (laughs) Take that. So the great dragon was thrown out, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. Notice this. They conquered him by what? The blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. Understand without a shadow of a doubt that any grounds that Satan had to stand on to accuse you before God has been taken away by Christ's work on the cross. When he brings up your past, remind him that Jesus has redeemed your past. When he brings up your indebtedness because of your sin, remind him, hey, Jesus has paid that in full. Even his most powerful weapon, which is death, has been rendered useless. That's part of the hope of the resurrection. That because Jesus came out alive, one day we too get to come out of the grave alive and spend forever with him. However, if Satan thought, we go back 2,000 years, if Satan thought even for a minute that just maybe, maybe he had won, that maybe when Jesus died, maybe it really was the end. Maybe he would stay in the tomb. That maybe his sacrifice wasn't enough to pay for sin's debt and to take away God's wrath. But then something happened on the third day, right? That changed everything. The morning of the third day, the ground began to shake and angels descend from heaven and they roll back the stone and Jesus walks out alive forevermore. Sorry, devil. You lost. Amen? It is finished. Price has been paid. Really, the only thing left for us to ask this morning and to talk about is, have you received those blessings in your life? Have you appropriated the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross into your life by placing your faith and trust in Him? Here's the thing, man. If you're... If you haven't done that, if you're not saved, if you're lost, none of anything that I've said applies to you. You still have a tremendous debt because of your sin that you cannot pay. If you died today without Jesus, you would spend the rest of eternity in hell forever. But because Jesus is alive, you can be saved this morning. If you've never made that decision to follow him, I want to give you that opportunity. I believe this Holy Spirit is convicting our hearts. How can you not sing and talk about what Jesus did and not be convicted of your own sin? Let's stand together this morning as we pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, God, what a glorious morning it is. Lord, to be reminded that we serve a risen Savior, that our God is not dead, but He is surely alive. Father, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son into this world. And we thank you that it's so simple, Lord, as you said, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but could have everlasting life. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning that does not have that assurance. 
they do not have that hope. They're going through this life hopeless right now. It's chaotic. Lord, they know that they need you. And God, I just pray that your spirit would give them the courage, Lord, to make the decision to trust in Christ today. God, thank you for your saving grace. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our choir is going to lead us in a song of invitation this morning. And if you need to make that decision, I want to invite you. Just come down this aisle and let me pray with you. If you want to come and and pray at the altar this morning, pray for somebody else or pray for yourself, by all means, this altar is open. Why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.